Last week we had a look at forgiveness in its various aspects and it's interesting that C.S. Lewis says of forgiveness that it's one of those things that needs constant polishing and that's a great image. It's the whole concept that things get tarnished and if we don't pay attention to something constantly it can get diminished. Another issue like forgiveness is the issue of gratitude or thanksgiving, depends how you say it. And so today I want to spend a few moments and look more closely at, at a number of scriptures just to refresh us and to polish up the issue of gratitude. The first passage is one that I think is one of the first passages that I learned um, uh, by heart. I memorized this and I think it was partly because they're such short verses. But it's 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. It goes like this. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now I was interested in the very short uh, verses. Be joyful always. Pray continually. But this whole thing of giving thanks in all circumstances was part of this a process that was a baseline in the early development for me in my Christianity. Be joyful always, and sandwiched in between the joy and the rejoicing in God and the thanksgiving was this pray continually. But it's this giving thanks in all circumstances. There is no exclusion that Paul allows in this particular point. He says that, uh, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Those of us who have found the relationship in Jesus that is so life-giving and energizing ought to be giving thanks for everything that happens in our lives. And we can look at that in more detail if you want. But it is, is a baseline that Paul is saying to the Thessalonian church. He said, thankfulness is a baseline thing that needs polishing constantly. In all of our lives. This is God's will for you. That you rejoice. That you pray continually. And that you always give thanks. For everything that's going on around you. Now. The similar thing. That he says to the Ephesian church. Is this in Ephesians 5. From verse 15 to 20. It's a very interesting little passage. And I'm just going to highlight some of it. It says. Be very careful then how you live. And we'll come on to that in a minute. But. We need to be careful how we live because if we live away, the way that God calls us to live, then we live with the grain. If we try and do it on our own terms and live the way that we are, that the world around us determines, then we live against the, rain, the grain and we will get splintered. Be careful then how you live, making the most of every opportunity. Understand what the Lord's will is and be filled with the Spirit. That's a sort of a concertina of the first few verses. And then he says, Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. There's a sense of joy and exuberant and abundant joy, not only in community, but in your own heart, in the way that you live your life in a continual sense. And he says, Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul, whether he's writing to the Ephesian church, the Thessalonian church, there's an underlying, underlying sense that there is gratitude at the base of absolutely everything. 
for us as followers of Jesus. Filled with the Spirit, exuberantly rejoicing and singing in community and out, but giving thanks for everything. Always thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it comes back to a passage that I love from Psalm 103. It says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. And then he lists them. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desire with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. There is this overwhelming sense as part of the whole shape of redemptive history through the Old Testament and into the New, in the life of Jesus and in all that Paul and the other apostles write, that gratitude, thankfulness, is something that is fundamental to who we are, the nature of who we are as followers of Jesus. Now, let me read a passage to you from Luke, Luke chapter 17. And this kind of in a nutshell puts uh, a story puts what I'm trying to say today. It's Luke 17, and it's from verse 11 to 19. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, Show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw what, that he, he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus makes the point that he wasn't even Jewish. Jesus asked him, were not ten cleansed? You see, Jesus already knew what had happened. He'd sent them to, get, uh, to, to be healed. Uh, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? There was no one found to return and give. Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, "Rise and go. Your faith has made you well." And we could look at that passage in in, in various different ways, but for our purposes this morning, what I want to look at and say is this. There were, he was on the border between Samaria and uh, Galilee, the area where there's a kind of a mixed population of Samaritans and Jews. And so these lepers were together. Ten of them are sent away. And they get healed on the way. And nine of them just keep going. It's a Samaritan. It's an outsider. It's one who is not regarded as far as the Jews were concerned, who comes back to Jesus and says to him, it comes back healed and came back and said, praising God in a loud voice. There was nothing quiet about this. This wasn't hidden somewhere far away that it could be washed under the carpet. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet. This is dramatic stuff. I love it. And he thanked him. But the point for me is that there were nine others who showed no gratitude to Jesus. And Jesus picks this up and he says, where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? We live our lives in such a way often that we 
if we become just used to the way things are. And so the issue of gratitude, of thankfulness, of praise needs to be polished constantly in our lives. We live in a world where most people aren't grateful, 90% as far as this parable is concerned. And there is a bias, if you like, in our culture towards complaint. It's almost a national pastime. People complain about absolutely everything. And you can ask why. It may be that affluence has dulled us, that we expect, we have an expectation that things are laid on for us, an entitlement maybe that is bedrock to the kind of culture that we live in now, the way that we live. We might think that we deserve it because we've worked for this. It's, it's ours. But the other thing is that when we hang out with people who are uh, moaners and complainers, it has an effect on us. Paul writes to the Corinthian church right at the end of his first letter in chapter 15. He says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. It matters who you hang around with because if, you, if you're constantly with people who are complaining and moaning, it has an effect. It infects us. And the combination of these and many other things, and I don't want to, to focus today on what is negative, but it leads to us being diseased ourselves, of catching the common cold of complaint. So what can we do about it? And here's a couple of passages I want to look at and just uh, reflect on it. Um, we need, as followers of Jesus, to celebrate God constantly, to praise, to thank, to express our gratitude, to sing, and to do so in all circumstances, and to give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of Jesus, as Paul says to the Ephesians. There's an interesting passage that I want to just spend a few moments on in 2, uh, two Chronicles. And this is when the Ark of the Covenant is brought back to the temple. And it says in verse 13, the trumpeters and singers joined in unison. So there was this cacophony of sound a celebratory moment, a time when the musicians and the singers were all going, as with one voice, to give praise and thanks to God. There was a unity of praise and thanksgiving. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals and other instruments, they raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, and this is the words of the song that they sang, He is good, His love endures forever. He is good, his love endures forever. And as you look at some of the Psalms, that is the litany of them. And Psalm, um, uh, I think it's 113. Now I should have had it ready for you. But it, that is the refrain in terms of every verse of the Psalm. God is good. He is good and his love endures forever. He is good and his love endures forever. And in this cacophony of sound and this anthem of praise, then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Now, the image, the picture, what I want us to get out of that is this, that when we lift our hearts and our voices in praise, when we come 
with the right attitude and we are motivated to acknowledge that God is good and his love endures forever. When we can stand together and say that in community and as individuals, that his, that God is good and his love endures forever, there is uh, this powerful image of this cloud descending and the priests can't perform their function because the glory of the Lord fills the temple. I just hold that in your mind for a moment because we come to the next thing because the presence of God is powerful in those situations. But there is um, perhaps a need for us at this moment to just look at what Paul writes to the Philippian church because it's a warning, I think, for us. In Philippians 2, he says in verse 14, Do everything without complaining and arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God. And so he carries on. So we've got to hold this. Paul, Paul is saying to the, to the Thessalonians, to the Ephesians, when we look at what happens in 2 Chronicles, the sense of celebratory praise, gratitude and thanksgiving that brings the presence of God. What Paul is saying is that when we complain and moan, it actually, we atrophy in our, our appreciation of where and who God is. And he says to the Philippians in no uncertain terms, don't do it. And so as we polish up this thing of gratitude and thanksgiving, I'm saying to all of us, watch yourself. Do things without complaining, without arguing, without moaning. Because it's corruptive, it's corrosive, it will bring dis-ease. But celebrate God. Look to Him. Let me come back to the um, passage that I read right at the beginning. One of the first ones that I that I learned. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. I'll just read you a story, and it's worth reading. It comes from Francie Swartz in her book Chicken Soup for the Soul, and she tells the story of a guy named Jerry who was always in a good mood and always had something positive to say. And when asked how he was doing, he would always answer like this. If I was any better, I'd be twins. So he was a restaurant manager who everybody loved because he was so positive. And she said to him, this I quote, I don't get it, Jerry. You can't possibly be upbeat all the time. How do you do it? And Jerry replied, each morning, I wake up and say to myself, Jerry, you have two choices today. You can either choose to be in a bad mood or choose to be in a good one. And I choose to be in a good mood. Oh, it's not that easy, I protested, Swartz writes. Yes, it is, Jerry responded. Life is all about choices. Well, several years ago, Jerry's restaurant was robbed. The thieves panicked and they shot him and he was rushed to the emergency room. He spent 18 hours on the operating table and several weeks in intensive care, but he survived. Later, she asked him how he did it, and he said this, When I was lying on the floor, I remembered I had two choices. I could choose to live, or I could choose to die. I chose to live. The paramedics were encouraging, but when they wheeled me into the emergency room and I saw the looks on the faces of the doctors and nurses, I got really scared. Because in their eyes, I read, he's a dead man, and I knew I needed to take action. 
and there was a big burly nurse shouting questions at me and she asked, are you allergic to anything? Yes, I replied, and the doctors and nurses stopped working as they waited for my reply. Bullets, I answered, and over their laughter I yelled, I'm choosing life, operate on me as if I'm alive, not dead. And Jerry lived thanks to the skill of the doctors and to his attitude and to the grace of God. And Francis Watt says this, I saw Jerry six months after the accident and asked him how he was doing. He replied, if I was any better, I'd be twins. And she goes on to say this, and much of life is determined not by circumstances, but by personal choice. It matters how you choose to live. And so I challenge you to begin to make a personal choice and, and to decide that you are going to rejoice in the Lord no matter what. And so I read 1 Thessalonians again and it says, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all things, all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Make a choice. You choose how you're going to live. And it does make a difference. And then you need to set in place a discipline. Now, we get into easy, we slip into this, uh, e easy habits. I mean, we slip into habits easily. And it requires discipline for us to move beyond them. And, and new habits aren't formed overnight. They take some time of repetitive, um, um, habitual doing before they become ingrained new habits. Psalm 92, the first two verses, really interesting, and I love these two verses. It says this, It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High. To proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. It is good to praise the Lord. It's healthy. It's right. It's the thing that brings us a new energy in life. It refocuses, reorients us. And it, it's not going to happen overnight. And so I want to say to all of us, put in place structures, disciplines, habits that you will do over a period of time until they become bedded into the way that you actually live. And like forgiveness that needs to happen over and over and over again until it becomes part of who we are, gratitude, thankfulness, praise is something we do out of choice in a disciplined way until it is bedded into us as a way that we live, a healthy way of being who God has called us to be. Now, there's much more that we could say, but I'd like to end off with what Paul ends with the Ephesian church. I mean, sorry, not the Ephesian, the Philippian church. In the last chapter of Philippians chapter 4, rejoicing, celebrating, non-complaining is, is a lot of what Paul writes to the Philippians, thanksgiving, and he says towards the end, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Chapter 4, verse 4, and on to verse 9. We end with this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. As the message says, celebrate God all day, every day, and then keep on doing it, essentially. This is a habitual thing. Celebrate God. Rejoice in the Lord always, all day, every day. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, 
with prayer and supplication, uh, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate God all day, every day. Amen.